Where does your mind go when you allow it to wander? Do you find yourself thinking of the unknown? Trying to separate fact from fiction? Welcome to my mini-series, where we discuss possible explanations for the unexplainable. My name is Ray, and these are things that keep me up at night. And my name is Ray, and yes, you are still listening to Gore Report, a true crime podcast. Yes. Three single (laughs) snaps. Three singular snaps for the day. And before we get into today's episode and talking about my trip and all of the shenanigans, we would first like to wish you a good day and a good week. And a good I sound like a strangled fucking goose. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I don't I don't know what happened. But uh, it, it was giving very oxygen deprived goose. <laughs> <laughs> also, one more thing that we have to announce as well is that during our two week break we did get a new gore goat. So a yes. big thank you to Seth. Yay. Yay. Woo! Thank you so much for joining. Oh, yeah. So it does feel incredibly good to be back. We missed you guys so much over the last two weeks. I know a lot of you saw on social media. Plus, I did announce it in, what was it, the Adrian Reynolds episode? Yes. I'm not exactly sure, but I did go to Maryland for a week, and it was super, super fun. As a first-time flyer. Yes, and that is what I wanted to say, too. Um, I made a status asking you guys, like, if any of you have been on a plane and if you had advice for someone who was, like, flying for their first time. And there was an overwhelming response in a good way, which Mm -hmm. I greatly appreciated. And I don't know. Honestly, I can say now that I've done it that it was really fun. Like, once takeoff started, all of my anxiety just dissipated. I, like, thought it was super, super fun. I had my Nintendo Switch with me, so I played Pokemon the entire time. But it was really fun. Although, like, when I was on FaceTime with you after you dropped me Mm -hmm. off, I was, like, clammy and pale because I saw the planes going into the sky. And I know you remember I was on the verge of crying, pissing, puking. Yes. I was terrified. I was shaking. I was on the verge of crying. (laughs) And as, as someone who has been on planes multiple times before, I had to have several talks with him that was like, okay, these are how the airports work. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to do next. This is what to look out for at security. This is what it's going to be like being in the plane and checking in. and da, da. Right. So I'm giving him literally the rundown of every little detail I can think of. It just had me cracking up because I know we've posted one picture of us on our Instagram. But if you don't know how we look to give you like, I guess, a brief synopsis of my appearance. Uh, I'm like almost six foot four covered in tattoos. <laughs> covered in piercings i have really big stretched ears like the whole shebang and it's just the imagery of me going into a plane and i'm like (laughs) tears rolling down my face i buckle my seatbelt. the flight attendant is like are you okay and i'm just like can you tell me anything to let me know that it's gonna be okay please Please, 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 because I am scared. My, that's not very 6'4", covered in tattoos, owns a true crime podcast of you, <laughs> <laughs> listens to dark, heavy metal music of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely was not. But again, I can say all of the advice that you guys gave was very helpful, especially the gum. Holy shit, the pressure on my ears actually was painful. I told like, you. Like, it hurt. So gum... This is not an I told you so, but I'm serious. Like, that pressure is... It's too much. But it was really fun. My flight went incredibly smooth. I flew into D.C., and then I got picked up at the airport by my friend Clark. And then... Yeah. And then we went to Rockville, uh, Maryland, and it was just incredibly fun. It's a whole new world up there compared to down here in Bible Belt chickens in the yard bells of hay dollar general (laughs) at every corner georgia 
but the trip was just super amazing. I had a great time. It was filled with lots of nerding out. I played lots of Genshin. As we all know, that is my favorite game. So, like, I've been going ham on that. And I also started a new anime that I've become obsessed with. And I'll, I'll end it at this. But um, for those of you that are also nerdy, you know, if you know, you know. But I started Jujutsu Kaisen. I know that's all you've been talking about for like the oh past. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit down and watch it. I was I was sleeping on that anime for way too long. It is good is not even the word. Intense is not even the word. It made me cry to the point to where I wanted to throw up. Yeah. But one thing that I learned through it, because I won't leave any spoilers for any of you that actually, you know, watch anime or may watch it. I'm not going to, you know, talk about the plot. But I am going to say that Sukuna <laughs> is my daddy. We can have all the weird vibes right there. All the weird <laughs> vibes. I don't care. Sukuna. Yes, that TikTok I showed you. Yes. Stop it. Yes. <laughs> I'm going home, Gage. <laughs> oh, okay. So now that we are back, getting into the swing of things, you guys can definitely expect for our continuous weekly uploads. Today's story, it's truly a story. That keeps me up at night. You know, I thought this would be perfect to share with you guys because it's a little bit of a mental scrubbing before we get into the whole slew of listener True requests. crime stuff that we have coming up, right, yes. right. And a big thank you guys to everyone who requested cases because... Um, we got our work cut out for us. Oh, boy, do we ever. <laughs> boy, do we ever. But you will never hear us complain. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. So, um... This story apparently happened back in 2006, and this was not something that went viral or got a whole lot of traction. But um, I'm going to tell you right now, grab your tinfoil hat quickly. Quickly. <laughs> quickly. <laughs> it's about to get weird. It's about to get tinfoily. Tinfoily. Tin it is indeed a verb. Oh, aluminum hat, how we praise you. It's just like that <laughs> other deep southern verb, rurnt. <laughs> you know like all the milks weren't this is weren't this is weren't you know i don't know if anybody else is, is from georgia or the deep south like us but i, I knew that, the minute that you said it <laughs> i knew the minute that you said it it's weren't it is it really it truly is a southern <laughs> verb soiled it okay well you know i've always said that life is stranger than fiction and the unknown is shrouded in mystery and fear even if we are told the absolute truth, would you be open-minded enough to believe it? Uh, that depends on how much it scares the shit out of me. Let's talk about Sergei Ponomarenko. Oh? Yes. So. I don't know if I'm familiar with this one. Not a lot of people are, but I'm going to tell you. Try, try to keep up, okay? Because this is... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And um, after researching it, my brain literally felt like it was on fire. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so so one of those. Yeah. All right. All okay. right. So on April 23rd, 2006, a man in his early 20s was seen standing by himself, staring up at a high-rise apartment building in Kiev, Ukraine. Now, witnesses described him as confused disoriented and anxious wearing vintage clothes from the 1950s that also appeared to be in pristine condition as if the clothes were recently purchased from that exact era or he was in a period piece movie like the clothes were on point even complete with an antiquated film camera hanging from his neck now the police were called because many witnesses who saw him thought that he was a lost tourist who needed help or that he was in some sort of trouble because this man literally looked scared right right this is fucking crazy i don't even know what happened and i'm like okay so when the police arrived he asked them for directions to get to his home but the police had never heard of the address or the street when they looked it up they found that this home that he was trying to get to no longer existed and was now a landfill. What? So when the police asked to see his ID, things got even stranger. His name was Sergei Ponomarenko. The photo on his ID matched his face, but the police were caught off guard because the first thing that they noticed 
was this ID was issued in a country that didn't exist anymore. It was issued from the Soviet Union. What? So Ukraine actually used to be a part of the Soviet Union and was also known as the USSR, which stands for the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. But the Soviet Union dissolved in 1991, and Ukraine ended up becoming an independent nation, which was decades ago. Holy hell. So needless to say, this was in 2006. Sergei appeared to be in his 20s, and the authorities certainly didn't see IDs like this anymore, especially for a young adult. It would be more understandable if an elderly person from that era stood before them. Then they looked at his birth date, and it said 1932. Whoa. So for those like myself who can't math, I have done the math for all of us. So if Sergei was born in 1932, he would be 74 years old in 2006. Holy fucking shit. So Sergei asked them what year it was. And when the police asked him what day he thought it was, he replied, April 23rd, 1958. Holy fucking shit. So th- he just pops up dressed in this like 1950s attire. He has this antique camera. He has no idea like where he's at. The address that he's giving, like the address to his home is now a landfill. Mm-hmm. His ID comes from a country so to say, that does not exist. And it's dated in the fucking 50s, like he was born in the 30s. Yeah. But this is 2006. Yeah. He (laughs) traveled through time? So again, I did some math. Look at me go. (laughs) (laughs) So judging by that date and the birthday on his ID, he would be 25 or 26 years old standing before them. So... Naturally, this completely puzzled the police. So they detained him to try and sort this out because to them, he was seen as suspicious. They didn't know if he was a mentally ill person with some fake documents or was this guy telling the truth? And what exactly is the protocol for time travelers? Like, what do? (laughs) You know, so. This is insane. Insane. It is. We're not even that far into it, and I'm definitely feeling the uh, things that keep me up at night vibes. Right. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back. I'm like thoroughly enthralled, and I'm just I'm just gonna do do. Take it away, right? <laughs> so some sources said that he was detained, and another source said that he was actually arrested for being suspicious. Either way. Sergey ends up at a psychiatric clinic in Kiev. Is it Kiev or Kiev? I'm so sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Honestly, I I don't know. And I don't want to, like, guess and not know what the fuck I'm talking about. Okay, so, so like... I've, I've seen it spelled two different ways. And we can talk about this more online, like, in comments and stuff like that. But I will apologize if I'm saying it wrong. However, uh, yeah, he ends up in a psychiatric clinic. For Psychiatric Assessment and Care by Dr. Pablo Kutrikov. He was the one that examined him, and he was a professor and a psychiatrist, and this took place on the same day that Sergei appeared, which was April 23rd, 2006. But Kutrikov recorded the session. Now, I did manage to find footage of Sergei, and I've included it in our dump, However, I'm not able to understand what's being said because it's in another language. I don't know the difference if there's a difference between Russian and Ukrainian language or if it's like some certain dialects where it's, you know, kind of like spun off of a certain language. Or if they're similar. Yeah, I totally would not know. So um, as an American who is uncultured and (laughs) unknowledgeable (laughs) in the ways of language, uh, I have a hard time even just trying to learn Japanese or Arabic. So it's. <laughs> right. You know, right. Um, so just, I do good to speak English on a good part, day. That part. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so. <laughs> I have a I have a terrible speech impediment and it just English is not my better half. Right. Right. 
So if we do have any listeners who know the language and they're able to translate what's being said, that would be so awesome. But according to one of my sources in the video, Sergei said his name was Sergei Valentinovich Ponomarenko. He was born in Kiev, Ukraine on June 16, 1932. He also confirmed that he was 25 years old. Sergei told him that he wanted to go for a walk in the city, and he took his camera with him that day. He said that when he left the house, he spotted something strange flying in the sky. He said the object was, quote, flying in a strange way, end quote. So he thought he could get a better look if he took a photo of it, and he aimed and took the photo, suddenly finding himself in a very different time and place. What? He said, quote, It is difficult to explain what I was seeing. It might be better to look at the photos from my camera, end quote. This is crazy. Yeah? Crazy. Like, holy shit. Holy, I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself. I'm just like, I'm, I'm really, like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in there, man. Once again, take it away, right? <laughs> so, of course, this story sounds completely fictional. And Dr. Kuchikov began to think that Sergei was suffering from delusions. He would ask Sergei what date he believed it was, and he was very adamant that it was April 23rd, 1958. And when the doctor corrected him and said it was April 23rd, 2006, Sergei said that he even read the newspaper that same morning, and he clearly remembered physically seeing the date on that morning's paper. What the hell? It was then that Sergei reminded the doctor that he took photos and the camera was right there. So naturally, the idea to develop the photos came back up, Everyone agreed, and Sergei would either be proved right or deemed to be insane. However, he was given a room at this psychiatric clinic for two days. I wasn't able to get the name of the clinic, but it was like two or three days. And they kept him under constant surveillance. They even installed cameras right outside of his room to basically, like, keep an eye on him. Which makes sense, kind of, for safety reasons, because someone from the past would undoubtedly somehow get injured in present-day time by something they've never encountered in their own time. Right. That is, this is just insane. Like, this is truly insane. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this man literally traveling through time, several decades through time. Yeah. And he just pops up and he's like, what's good? What's good? What's going on? 1958 represent. Now, this case is considered to be the most well-documented case of time travel ever, but but we're, we're going to get further into it. Um, so, one of the clips I've included in the dump, Sergei is supposedly on CCTV, and it appears as if he's completely confused and possibly frightened by the differences he's experiencing. He looks to be staring at things around the room while swaying in a way that almost makes him seem uncomfortable. He's very curious, but he's very cautious as well. And just his body language in the video shows that he's not comfortable or confused. But there may be discrepancies with the videos themselves that I will get into later. The staff noted his odd behavior as one nurse recalled Sergei staring at her cell phone as if he was trying to figure out what it was. Oh my god. So the act of developing the film was an extra layer to this whole story. As I said before, this was a very old film camera. The camera and the negatives were in pristine condition. So these types of negatives could not be developed using 21st century techniques apparently. So they brought in an expert in the photography field to develop the negatives using the correct methods because they were thinking if we screw this up, then, you know, ooh. Right, right, right. So you can understand why this would be an important piece of evidence to corroborate Sergei's story. But when the photos were finally developed, the photography expert, Vadim Posner, uh, was completely shocked from what he said because he realized how old the film was and this specific type of film was basically discontinued in the 1970s. But what he physically had in his hands was film that was 
supposedly old from the 1950s, but in perfect condition. As that if, is so wild. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm trying to hold my shit together. This is just, this is crazy. It's almost as if you had walked into the shop and picked it up brand new back in 1958. Basically is the condition he's saying that it was in. What the fuck? So there were photos in this camera, not only of Kiev in the 1950s, but there was also a photo of Sergei with a woman, and he was also wearing the same clothes he was currently wearing. But sure enough, there was the photo aimed up towards the sky, the image of a bell-shaped aircraft or UFO, just as Sergei had described. Fucking shit. I feel like that's all I'm saying this whole episode. It's I don't lot. know what to it's say. It's a lot to wrap your head around. My brain is broken. Now that there was visual proof, Sergey sat down with Dr. Kuchikov for another recorded session on April 25th, 2006. They developed the photos and did this interview on the same day. So the doctor and the authorities now wanted to investigate this further. I mean, if you were sitting in a room with a person who had proof that they fell through time or essentially time traveled, you would want to know more how it's even possible, right? Right, right. Because if I had a choice, I would not be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a choice, we could possibly go back in time and change some of this crazy shit, but you know... <laughs> But now, now that there was visual proof, it seemed like Dr. Kuchikov and the authorities were starting to believe him. And Dr. Kuchikov basically hypothesized that aliens... Oh, no. Put your tinfoil hat on. Quickly. I'm Quickly. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. Uh, I believe, I believe, I believe. <laughs> he believed that aliens abducted Sergei, and as a result, he was brought back in the wrong time. So his theory is basically... Um, Going off of Einstein's theory of relativity, Einstein believed in time travel, even saying, quote, not only is time travel possible, but you do it every day without realizing, end quote. Oh, okay. so So this is, this is going to be a little bit of a, it may seem a little bit like a clusterfuck, but I got a pretty good example off of, um, like, NBC and ABC were trying to talk about time travel and Einstein's theory of relativity. So, they gave a pretty good example. So, I'll, I'll get you caught up. Ooh, we're smarty pants. We're smarty pants. So, Einstein published his theory in 1905 during a time where no one dared to question Newton's findings in physics. So, Isaac Newton, or Sir Isaac Newton, uh, stated that space and time was fixed. But Einstein saunters in kicks down the door, says, hold my beer, and hands us <laughs> mathematical peasants, E equals MC square, and expects us to know what the fuck that means. Not Einstein kicking down the door, asking someone to hold his beer. <laughs> that just sent me, I okay. Mean, all right, so like I said, I'll do my best to explain it in a way that we can all understand, because this is like... Smarty pants stuff. Um, this will make your brain hurt. So for centuries, physicists understood that space and time were fixed. But Einstein's theory gave them a new understanding by introducing what he called special relativity and general relativity. Meaning time and space were fluid and malleable, but also intertwined. Okay, okay. So first, talking about general relativity... He stated that the natural world itself has no privileged forms of reference, okay? Mm -hmm. Meaning that as long as an object is moving in a straight line at a constant speed with no acceleration, the laws of physics are basically the same for everyone. Okay, I'm, fo I'm following. I believe I'm following okay. anyway. So if you look out of a train window and you see another train moving, is the train moving or are you? Right? Oh, inter interesting. Okay, so he saw that if the motion of two objects is perfectly uniform, it's literally impossible to tell. And he identified this as an important principle in physics. 
Secondly, he stated that light travels at an unvarying speed of 186,000 miles a second. Yeah. So the speed of light is very fucking fast, okay? He said that no matter how fast an observer is moving or how fast a light-emitting object is moving, a measurement of the speed of light will always yield the same result. It's always going to be that number. As far as special relativity goes, if you and me are in our own rockets, okay, and you pass my rocket, which is moving a lot slower than your rocket, we would see that my watch would tick more slowly than yours does. Really? Yeah. And that's what physicists call time dilation. So basically, the faster you're moving, the faster time is it like is moving around you basically. So another consequence of special relativity means that matter and energy are interchangeable. That's where the famous equation E equals MC square comes from. E stands for energy, M for mass, and C squared for the speed of light multiplied by itself. So since the speed of light is such a big number, even a tiny amount of mass is equivalent to or can be converted into a very large amount of energy. And that's why atomic bombs or hydrogen bombs are so powerful. Gotcha. That's that's crazy. We're really learning some stuff well, yeah, today, no, kids. We're no. really learning some stuff. So as an example of how mass can be converted into energy through speed itself, meaning if your rocket was to speed up even faster than it's already moving past my rocket... Um, your mass and the rocket's mass would increase. I'm trying to like picture it in my head. Like I kind of see it. It's just, it's insane right now. So the faster you go, the heavier things will become for you until you reach a point of resistance in trying to go even faster. Because according to Einstein, nothing that has mass can ever move at the speed of light. So as you're traveling faster and faster and faster and faster, you're never actually going to be able to hit that speed of light. Right, right. You're right. You know, now this is a thought that just came to me, but you have like fighter jets that have to literally push themselves to like break the sound barrier. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not from the military. Don't come for me. But I don't know how that would relate in trying to go literally the speed of light. Right, but, right, but still, though. But that that kind of makes sense to me, you know, like, just thinking about the wear and tear on those vehicles just trying to hit a sonic boom, and it's like... How would we ever go past that? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, back to the story, Dr. Kucherkov wondered if Sergei was abducted by aliens, taken to another galaxy at the speed of light, because they would apparently have the ability to do that. Right, right. And then... When he returned, he found himself in the wrong time. He also explained Sergei's experience as time dilation itself. In other words, what felt like seconds to Sergei could have actually been decades. Holy And fuck. that's that's also something else to think about because, you know, when Einstein says that we time travel all the time, when you go to sleep, it feels like it feels like you're living out that life that you're dreaming about. But then you wake up and you've only been asleep for like five minutes. You know what I mean? And right, it's like, right, right, that's right. time dilation, essentially. Or there's times, too, like let's say you don't dream when you sleep. Like you go to sleep, you can sleep for a full eight to ten hours, even longer, and it only feels like a second. Right. You wake up completely tired, like, where did all, where did all yeah, those eight hours the, oh, go? This yeah. is tripping my brain the fuck out. Not to mention, also, um, even when you travel in an airplane. Now, I've heard this story. This story. It's a theory and a story. I've heard this theory talked about a lot where people said that, like, they noticed that the time that they have when they're flying on planes sometimes is different from the people from time on the ground. So a lot of people are saying that, like, you know, it's possible that by traveling in that straight line, you don't have resistance of land. You're kind of essentially traveling through time because it takes. Wow. I don't know, guys. But that's interesting. It's fascinating. It could be it could be a very stale take. 
it, it is what you make of it, but I thought it was interesting. So Dr. Kutrikov presented the developed pictures to Sergey, and he basically gives them an I told you so look. Like, <laughs> but according to one source in this particular recording, Sergey explains, quote, I so far do not understand what this object is and how something like that happened to me at the same moment when I took the picture. I went down to look at the camera and somehow ended up in this year, end quote. Holy fuck. Chills, like literal chills. It's so just get crazy. This. Get this. They finish talking and Sergey goes back to his room. He's seen on security camera entering his room and he completely vanishes. What? Yeah. He's, Wait, like... Like, he vanishes. He He's never seen again. Uh, yeah. They apparently saw him on security CCTV go into his room. There are bars on the windows. So, like, escaping the room is impossible. He's at a psychiatric facility. Like, escaping that room is not going to happen. But he vanished. Fuck. So, the police... Holy fuck. Right. So, the police now have to find him with no leads... And no idea how he disappeared. So they decided to investigate Sergei's ID against old identification records from the Soviet Union. And they verified that there was indeed a man named Sergei Valentinovich Ponomarenko from Kiev. And in a strange twist, they discovered that he was officially declared missing way back in like 1970. 1960s, 1970. What the hell? So seeing as they had a photo of Sergei with a woman, they managed to track the woman down. Now the idea was to reach out to her and see if she could explain what was happening or if she could point them in the right direction of where they might find him. But surprisingly, Valentina Kurish herself ended up being another shocking factor in this story because they were expecting her to answer the door as a 20-something-year-old. But what they got was an elderly 74-year-old woman who answered the door. Holy shit, and I'm guessing the name you gave, that's obviously the woman from the photo. That's her, Valentina Kurish. And Valentina recognized the photo of Sergei that they showed her, and she told them that they were engaged in 1958. Oh, my God. And that Sergei went missing for a few days during that time, but he had somehow managed to come back. Whole, so My yeah. brain. Yeah, I know. My brain is like f fucking melting right now. So like she's saying that in 1958, he went missing for a few days. Mm -hmm. Those few days being when he was in 2006. Yes. And then he vanishes from 2006 and then goes back. Holy uh -huh. fucking shit. Uh -huh. This shit is crazy. Like, this is honestly one of the craziest fucking things you have ever covered, in my opinion. Like, especially on the miniseries. This is crazy. So, she also said that when he came back, he had this new ability to see into the future. He was even interviewed on national TV where he would reveal to the audience that everyone was going to have a cell phone in the future. Holy shit. He Holy also shit. briefly explained microwave technology that didn't even exist at the time. And as it turned out, unbeknownst to Valentina, that Sergei's interviews were found in the Ukrainian archives and his interviews on Ukrainian and Taiwanese TV stations in the 1970s, the file was stored. I don't think it was ever really aired on TV. Gotcha, gotcha. That's just... There I'm, could be something in the episode that they just can't edit out or, you know, they just want to scrap it. It happens a lot. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm just still trying to wrap my mind around this. This is some of the craziest shit I think I've heard. So if you're wondering why I said 1970s, that's because as it turns out, he disappeared again in the 1970s but never returned. What? So he disappeared for a few days in 1958, returned with all of this crazy knowledge from what he saw in 2006 right. for a couple of days. And then in the 70s, he disappears again yeah. and then never returns. Right. Basically. What the fuck? 
basically leaving Valentina to think that maybe this trip was a one-way ticket this time. Oh, my Yeah, God. she showed the police photos of Sergey and herself from the 1950s that matched the photos he took the day he allegedly time-traveled. She also said that although he never returned after disappearing in the 70s, he did somehow... Now, I could not find an explanation for this, but he did somehow send her a photo from the future that also had something written on the back of it. What? Yeah. So the photo is of a a little bit of an older looking Sergey with a mustache. And in the background, you can see skyscrapers in Kiev, Ukraine that did not exist in 2006 or even to this day. So the photo was dated in 2050. What? And it was signed by Sergey as, quote, Dearest Valentina, everything is fine with me. I will try to return when I can. Yours, Sergey. End quote. I am speechless. So here's, here's basically, so he disappeared. Supposedly, he took a picture of the UFO and he disappeared for like two or three days. And he showed up in 2006. They have him at the psychiatric clinic. You know, they're developing the photos and they're talking to him and they're trying to figure out if he's like telling the truth. And then he walks into this room, completely disappears, goes back to 1958, apparently does a few television interviews while he's living life with Valentina. And then in 1970, I don't know if there was a second UFO involved, but he somehow ends up going to 2050. He disappears in the 70s only I, to never return. That I, is I like... don't know, but like some other stories make it sound like he went from 1958 and then jumped to 1970, met up with his fiance, then jumped to 2006 and then jumped to, you know, that's how they made it seem, which I mean, if you're thinking about time travel, that does seem to make more sense. Because a lot of people have stated that it's it's a lot easier, apparently, to time travel forward mm-hmm. than it is to go into the past. Because of, um, I think they called it the circle of rev- relativity. Gotcha. Where basically your timeline circles around on itself. So as you're moving forward, you're really coming back through the past. Does that make sense? That is fucking insane. It's like if you were to take a piece of paper and roll it around on itself and you had a line on it, it's like that's where you would start on that line and it would just continue around. So that's kind of like what time is doing. So this is why my brain was on fire trying to figure all this stuff out. But um, the story kind of just ends there. After learning the story, we're all left with more questions and yearning for an update. But so far, the only updates that have come out have been skepticism about the validity of the story itself. So then I'm going to uh, cover why a lot of people think that this is a hoax. I say use your own judgment, as always. That's why this thing is called Things That Keep Me Up At Night, because I don't fucking know, dude. (laughs) I don't fucking know, dude. I don't have the answers for you. All I know is that I spend many hours, many a nights, spending my hours awake thinking about stupid shit like this. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... In 2023, YouTuber Joe Scott claims to have debunked the Sergei Ponomarenko story, leaving a lot of us wondering if any part of the story was even true. According to Scott, he couldn't find any evidence that Sergei Ponomarenko, Valentina Kurish, Vadim Posner, or Dr. Kuchikov ever existed. Wow. He also noted that no one knows what happened to the original photos that were developed from Sergei's camera, including the 2050 Skyline photo. No one knows what happened to the originals at all. Okay. Holy fucking shit. All the photos currently used. So that includes, and this is why before... I was like, oh, I found real footage of Sergey and da 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 That's why I didn't include it earlier, and I just said I found footage. All the photos that are currently being used as evidence about this story apparently come from a 2012 Ukrainian TV show called Aliens. Oh, no, okay, no fucking way. <laughs> right, in which the hospital CCTV footage was also part of the show, and actors were used to recreate a visual to go along with the story. So the Aliens TV show featured a disclaimer that reads, quote, 
The Alien series aims to restore scenes of controversial topics. Any theory and hypothesis proposed cannot be considered to be correct, and further scientific research is required. All scene restorations are based on the statements of quote-unquote witnesses. There is no conclusive evidence to prove the existence of aliens. Your opinion on this issue is up to you, end quote. So we've all seen those shows that do like reenactment scenes and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's nothing new. Um, So, you know, if anything, even if the videos that I ended up with ended up not truly being him, even the one in the other language that I'm going to share. I mean, really, it's about the story itself, isn't it? Right, right. But then we have to really dig in and follow like little things in the story. Uh, like the film that was used by Sergey. So some people have said that they were able to track down that specific camera and film that Sergey had with him. One source said the film was Svema, which was the leading film company at the time. But I couldn't find a whole lot regarding the camera itself. But apparently the film he used was discontinued in 1970. But you could still purchase this film all the way until 1990, meaning that it would be possible to find a roll of this film in like new condition in 2006. Because just because it's discontinued doesn't mean there isn't someone out there who isn't experienced in finding discontinued stuff and reselling it, right? I right, mean, right. It we see it all, all the, time, the time, right? Especially on eBay. I mean, you know, when we said, <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you, but when it was we, just how you said it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, man. Like when we sit around and we think about, you know, people that do this, like American Pickers or Antiques Roadshow. I mean, we literally see that all the time. Right. Right. But anyway, another person questioned why the film expert was so surprised to see the film that Sergey used. This was supposedly a popular film that was used in the 1950s up until the 70s. And seeing as this supposedly happened in 2006, the film expert would be the first one to know how accessible the film in question is, right? You would think. Or at least that's that's what I would, would think. You would think. I guess that's not an unreasonable assumption. But... Someone had uh, brought up the condition of the film itself, so I wanted to go ahead and touch on that. One source pointed out that the film would have also been in poor condition because of the sheer material that it's made out of. Before the 1960s, photography film was made out of cellulose acetate. Now, before the cellulose acetate, they had cellulose nitrate, which was previously used and highly fucking flammable. Oh. Um, it was known to have the ability to spontaneously combust if the environment wasn't right. All right. So the nitrate film would be subjected to thermal decomposition and hydrolysis, which will degrade it over time, especially in cases of high temperature and moisture. So the decaying of the film releases nitrogen oxides that further the decaying process and allows the damaged film to burn more easily it wouldn't just blow up in your hands but it would certainly like engulf rather quickly so companies quickly changed over to cellulose acetate film well the downfall was that these films had to be stored at very specific temperatures in order to preserve the film sergey's film traveled through time and in theory, should have been significantly degraded just from temperature alone and would likely be experiencing the decaying stage of what they call a vinegar syndrome. That's where the film rots. It releases those nitrogen oxides, has a pungent vinegar smell, and it's highly toxic. Like, it could kill you toxic. Oh, my God. So additionally, it would also shrink and crack due to warm and humid temperatures and improperly controlled storage environments. So I, I don't think jumping through time is a consistent temperature or, <laughs> you know what I mean? True. But it makes me think, too, not trying to discredit any of the, like, because I know a healthy dose of skepticism is needed. Oh, right. And we can't honestly sit here and... And say that we know what would be entailed in the process of jumping through time. But what if going through time is such a fast 
that it because he it. said he literally looked down at his camera and then looked up and was just at another time what if it was so fast that nothing had a chance to erode see i thought about that too and i'm glad you brought that up because this was another thing that kept me up for several hours what happens to film if you time travel what right. happens to clothing if you time travel? Because evidently his clothes and everything were fine. Everything seemed to be in pristine condition. So that makes you think that if you are literally moving through time, literally at the speed of light, which you're not even supposed to be able to do because your body's made up of mass. And if Einstein said that nothing with mass can move at the speed of light, how the fuck did he time travel in the first place? <laughs> I'm guessing the medium there would have been the aircraft if the hypothesis is correct that wondering. he was abducted. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. That's but just like, so fucking great. Like, there's we, so many pathways of discussion we could take with this. <laughs> I see why you lost sleep over this, my friend. I, I'm telling you. But another thing that makes you kind of go, mm, I don't know. The clinic CCTV is dated Tuesday, April 23rd, 2006. But if you pull up the calendar on your phone, um, April 23rd of 2006 was a Sunday, my good sir. Oh, it was. It was a Sunday. Oh, okay. That that's that's interesting. So so either your equipment needs to be um updated back in 2006, sir. <laughs> your settings was off. <laughs> you got to fix the settings. That okay. is just okay. this is truly bent my brain. So here's the other thing. Sergey's ID has also raised some eyebrows and some questions regarding the stamp print on the document and also his birth date. Because one source said that the ID card has a seal of the Communist Youth League stamped on it, but it's not the actual seal that was used during that time period. Someone else spoke up and said that the Komsomol ID cards in the Soviet Union always had a very clear and visible stamp, whereas Sergei's stamp looks faded and fuzzy. But also, apparently, the month he was born was also incorrect, like I said. Uh, he told Dr. Kutrikov that he was born in Kiev on June 16, 1932. But if you translate Sergei's ID card, the word March is spelled in Russian. Okay. So that's another discrepancy. But looking at the photo of Sergei from 2050, now he's standing at the same spot on the, I think it's called the Dienper River, um, at the first photo he took in Kiev. But many people have noticed the skyscrapers in the background seem to repeat themselves if you study it close enough mm -hmm. and they believe it's nothing more than like some basic Photoshop. But I have noticed that one of the buildings does look similar to another, but I offer this tiny little mind nugget for everybody to think about as you go look at this photo. Once we learned how to build skyscrapers, like we continued to build more buildings that look similar to other buildings because it's the tried and true method, right? Like that's how we know it's going to go up and it's not going to fall. Right, right. So who's to say that by the year 2050, we haven't learned how to upgrade the design of skyscrapers and maybe learn new ways of building them? Like I'm not confirming nor denying the claim of Photoshop. It it very well could be, but personally, I don't see a difference in the grain of the photo itself. And I tend to be more open to the idea that something like this is possible. Right, right, right. But um, I do have some personal notes, and then I'm basically going to wrap this up. So first, I just don't see how a young man and an elderly lady would come up with this fantastical story. Like, was it for fame? Right. Because I mean, that's a question to ask. If it was, then why has no one heard from any of these people since? Like the man himself, Sergei Ponomarenko, has never been found nor has ever stepped forward to clear the air on whether it was real or false. And to me, that like just tells me that it's possibly true because people who know that they're speaking the truth about something that happened to them... They don't feel the need to keep on and on and on about it. You right, know what I mean? Right, exactly. So I take that kind of as, look, I told you whether you believe me is up to you. 
this this seems to hearken to a time here in present day where people are kind of labeled as conspiracy theorists or liars when they've discovered or theorized things that are not the norm for us. But as always, you know, I always encourage to use your own discretion to come up with your own conclusions and beliefs. Uh, is this all from a TV show with good writing but a horrible props department? <laughs> or is it so crazy to consider the possibility that this really happened. The original documents and videos are all sealed away, and this topic is put on a show like Aliens to get us to believe that this is impossible to achieve, maybe? I feel like Jerry Springer giving his final thoughts on the episode of the day. <laughs> so I really could use a cigarette. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. Does your brain hurt? My brain hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry, Like, guys. no, it's good. This was an incredible story, honestly, because I know we've touched on it and like, my cryptid series. And I, I, I think we kind of interject it where we can often, but I really genuinely believe in shit like this. I know that logic and a healthy dose of skepticism is good, but I really do believe in shit that can't be explained. Like, who's to say that this man really did or didn't travel through time? Right. I mean, honestly... I guess it's because I'm biased because I'm into all this weird sci-fi type bullshit. But I actually, I believe it. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I guess I would have to do my own research like even further yeah. just to see. But I'm I'm kind of leaning towards this man motherfucking IHOP time. <laughs> Good God. I honestly thought this episode was fucking crazy. I, I will even be so bold to say because I love all of your miniseries. This is my favorite that you've done Yay! because it blew my mind. And I'm actually excited just to hear what all of you think about this. This is just wild. This is wild, bitch. Wild. Well, of course, as I always say, guys, keep your head about you, but always have an open mind to be open to new things that are not our norm. Life is getting crazy. Weird shit. Part infinity guy needs to come in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the CIA released freaking documents saying something about us being able to walk through walls. What? Uh, I yeah. Did, I did not know that I had a Danny Phantom attachment on my body. Dude. But if I do, I need to fucking find that out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you guys, to wrap this up, if you would like to follow Ray and I and all of our... Well, great news. You can totally do that. You can find us on Facebook at Gore Report, a true crime podcast. On Instagram at Gore Report Podcast. On Patreon. www.patreon.com slash Gore Report Podcast. Or if you just want to request a case, don't worry, guys, it is coming. Or if you just want to request a case <laughs> and just drop a line and say what's up, you can hit up our email at Gore Report Pod at Gmail. Dot com. And if you are indeed laying, thinking, pondering, lying awake at night, then I wish you sweet dreams. But remember, it's all right.